Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brant. And this episode, we're discussing SST24, Saccharin Trust, Surviving You Always. Really looking forward to talking about this record. I'm a big fan, and there's a big change since the previous Saccharin Trust record that we listened to, Pagan Icons. This is a different Saccharin Trust. You know, Pagan Icons gets all the love, and uh, I like this one way better myself. I like Pagan Icons a lot, but I agree, this one is a better record. But before we get into that, I wanted to pick up on a couple of things we were talking about in a couple of episodes. I don't know if you remember in the Meat Puppets 2 episode, I was, we were talking about Nirvana and how we didn't really like Nirvana. Uh, it came up because Nirvana kind of made the Meat Puppets famous for a minute there because they covered some of their songs, especially during that live MTV Unplugged TV show or whatever, that concert. Did you find Bleach? Well, that's the thing. I kind of convinced myself to give Nirvana another chance. I devoured them when I was a kid, but you know, 13, 14, but I got over them really, really quick. I just, I moved on to... I, I, yeah, I don't know what it is about Nirvana. Like, it's the same for me. Most of the stuff that I listened to back then, I still listen to. Even some of the the stuff from like the grunge scene, like Soundgarden, for example, I still listen to them. I don't know what it is about Nirvana, but anyways, go ahead. Well, I so I did track down Bleach. Actually, I just listened to it on YouTube, and I thought I should listen to Bleach because, you know, Dale Crover's on that one, on a couple of tracks, and so maybe that would reconvince me to listen to it. And you know what? I listened to it. It's okay. You're good for another 10 years? I think that might be the last time I listened to Bleach. I don't know. I gave you another try, Nirvana. I will say their last album, In Utero, I'm a sucker for almost anything that that Steve Albini produces because I really love the production, and I really love the production on that record, but I just get tired of Nirvana really, really quick. Yeah. Two other things, though, on the topic of what I like. You had recommended... A band called Terra Melos to me. Oh yeah, you know I don't know if you remember that. Yep. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was a Miniman podcast we were talking about because we we were talking about that big Walnuts Yonder record. Anyways, good recommend. I like Terra Melos. Yeah, they're they're cool. And uh, another one I wanted to give you some street cred on. I don't know if you remember, but during our the podcast on Subhumans. We did our top 10 of 2017, and one of the bands that you recommended for me was named The Effects on Discord. Right. And I checked that out. That is a good uh, record for sure, too, so thank you for that recommend. Yeah, are you familiar with that guy's other bands, Medications? No. How about Farrakat? Nope. Oh, you got to check them out. Okay. Oh, you'll love them. I'm on it. Did you uh, did you ever check out that one band I told you about, Buzz Rodeo? No. Dude, Buzz Rodeo, get on it. Okay, I'm on it. All right, so I have one more to recommend to you. There is this label that I ordered from in Italy. That I ordered a split 12-inch, and they lost my order. But when they finally uh, resent it, they sent a couple of makeup presents in it. And one of the things that they sent was a 10-inch by a band called... Lucer Tulas or Lucer Tulas, L-U-C-E-R-T-U-L-A-S. Okay. They just they wrote on it. Sorry for the delay. For you, 
Machina Dishi is the name of the label. Anyways, Looser Tulas. I bet you you would like that. It is, it's kind of heavy, mathy, medley kind of stuff. They sing in English. Um, some of their earlier stuff is in Italian. But anyways, it's really worth checking out. Okay, well, text me that and Buzz Rodeo, and I'll text you Medications and Faircat, and we'll uh, reconvene on next week's pod. Done. Well, let's get into Surviving You Always. History Lesson, Part 1. Okay, so this is another release in 1984 on the label. It was recorded in 83 and 84, but it comes out in 84, and a lot of people view 1984 as the start of kind of the golden age of SST until about 1988 or so. There's some great stuff before 84, but 1984 is really packed with some great releases, and this is one of them. But this is a, I think if you compare it to some of the other well-known ones from 84, this is a much lesser known release, but that's kind of a shame because it's a really good record. Yeah. But the first thing that strikes you when you listen to it is this is not the same band as saccharine trust on pagan icons after pagan icons they lost their bass player earl liberty he went on to the circle jerks and they lost their drummer rob holtzman he eventually ended up in a band called slovenly which we will see later on earl liberty was replaced by a guy named mark hodson and rob holtzman was replaced by a guy named tony cicero yeah i read i read some like interviews with Joe Biza, and it sounds like this is maybe, is this kind of the, maybe the classic lineup? Certainly with Tony Cicero. Yeah. It, it, it looks like he's stuck around for a while. Mark Hodson, I mean, it's funny, I, I wasn't able to find out a bunch about them. Mark Hodson, he was on this album. He was on The Past Lives, which is a live one. And then he went on to a band called The Fontanelles. Hmm. In uh, they have a couple of things out around 1987 or at least one release, a 7-inch The Fontanelles, I've never heard it I'm going to try and check it out but that's it, then Mark Hodson like, drops off the radar, I don't know he's only on these two, but I mean, this is no slight to Earl Liberty and Rob Holtzman, but this rhythm section is completely different In one of the interviews I wrote down a quote I wrote down several Joe Biza quotes because he's very quotable, but he says uh Every time the lineup changed, the sound would change. I was really into jazz music at the time, so that reflected somewhat on the record. He's talking about this record specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not super familiar with Saccharine Trust's uh, lineups through, over the over the albums. I'm looking forward to, to learning. But uh, it just based on that quote, it sounds like maybe it's going to... It's just going to be Joe Biza and Jack Brewer and maybe some other dudes. Yeah, Tony Cicero stays in the band for a while, a good while. So they have some solid, like a solid drummer for a period of time. Okay. But in that A Wailing of a Town book, there's a bit of a discussion about what happens to Saccharine Trust over and over. It's along the lines of that quote that you're saying, you know, they kept on, every time they started to get momentum, there'd be a bit of a lineup change. Their sound would change, but they would kind of lose some momentum. And uh, it's I guess it's kind of cited as one of the reasons they never really took hold. But this is a great record. Now, I'm curious to see what you think when I ask you this question. What bands does this record remind you of? 
well, I wrote some stuff down about that while listening to it. Minutemen, for sure, you can hear a Minutemen influence. Absolutely, yeah. Some of the guitar playing, specifically like the effects that they use, I heard some Keith Levine from Pill. Oh, yeah. And I can tell you this, a band that you and I love, Pigment Vehicle, definitely listen to Saccharin Trust. That is exactly what I wanted. We didn't discuss this before the podcast at all, and I wanted to see whether that that same thing would come to your mind, and I I figured it would because it is uncanny, and everyone out there should check out this band called Pigment Vehicle. Their stuff is really hard to find now, but if you like Saccharin Trust and especially this album, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, agreed. That was one of the first thoughts that came to my head because I've been a Pigment Vehicle fan for many years, as you have, and they're so so out there. I'm just every you know. I've always wondered like what were these guys influenced by? What were they listening to? And I would be shocked if they didn't uh, listen to the, to Sacrum Trust. Yeah, I've never read an interview or I mean I've spoken with the guys in Pigment Vehicle a long time ago, and it, this never came up. I probably wasn't even that aware of Sacrum Trust when I was into pigment vehicle on like the early 90s and stuff but it's something definitely worth checking out and i will say there's a lot of western canadian like vancouver vancouver island bands of that era who were i think probably pretty heavily inspired by no means no not just pigment vehicle but there's a few out there that have i would argue you know some pretty clear ties back to the saccharine trust sound so i knew you would pass the test <laughs> I'm glad I passed. Yeah. Uh, you can definitely hear the influence of the Minutemen. I mean, they were super tight with the Minutemen. And uh, the guitar playing is very Gin-esque as well. Yeah. Joe Biza has his own voice on guitar, though, and he is... He's a shredder, man. Well, he was great on Pagan Icons. He is on another level on this record. Yeah. His playing is crazy. One other thing, though, that... I don't know if you bought into it when I mentioned it on Pagan Icons, but I, I think you can hear it here on this record again, especially on the song Our Discovery. But I hear now and then um, some Joy Division references, like some things that kind of sound like the uh, the tones, the sounds, especially when they're playing high up on um, some notes and some cording. You know what I wrote down about Our Discovery? The beginning of it sounds a lot like the Rush song Xanadu. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah. There's the chimes and he's doing that uh, twisting volume knob thing. Yeah, oh yeah. And I, I mean, I guarantee you they listen to Rush. For sure. You know? Well, that's the thing. Like, on Pagan Icons, it's a singer with guitar, bass, and drums. On this record, you've got sax bongos chimes coronet yep there's some piano too so these guys have gotten way way out there and it's a great record big progress between pagan icons and this album i was surprised by the number of overdubs like you you tend to think of sst albums as being like super banged out in the studio econo this has got tons of overdubs on it totally you know it sounds great but i bet you and it I mean, we'll get to the release in a second. I bet you they still recorded it very quickly. They just still yeah. had more overdubs than most bands at that time. Although you can hear the Minuteman influence, you can hear you know the Gin influence on guitar, there's nothing like this record on the previous 23 releases on SST. Nothing even close. No way, but you can... I mean, it's a no-brainer that Greg Ginn was into this band. Yeah. Like, it's... 
it's so obvious that he would have, you know, loved these guys. And Mike Watt, too. Yeah. Another thing, too, it's very hard to find commentary on this particular record. There's a few people, a few blogs out there, but what I found in a few of the articles is a lot of writers cite this record as, and I don't know if it's if there's any truth to this, but it, there's more than one person who have said it, so maybe it's true, was they cite this record as a big influence or kind of a spark for what started kind of the later 80s math rock type of stuff that started to to come up um, in the independent rock scene. I can certainly see it. I, I had, oh, yeah. I hadn't heard that before, but I can definitely see it. Yep. I mean, it is a jazzy, funky post-hardcore record that you can tell like i think on pagan icons we mentioned that kurt cobain and king buzzo cited saccharine trust as an influence and they probably weren't the only ones it, they it, just the thing is saccharine trust got zero press yeah another one of the really cool joe biza quotes i found was him talking about the pedro scene that kind of speaks to that and like i'll be honest you know way more about the the bands that came out of Pedro than I do. I really only know the Minutemen and Saccharine Trust. But he says, like, uh, the cool thing about the Pedro scene was everyone, I'm paraphrasing, but they wanted to do their own thing. Like, it was different from the L.A. punk scene. Everyone kind of challenged each other to be different instead of trying to sound like the most popular groups of the time. Yeah. I'd be curious to see if, you know, how true that is of the scene at large. Yeah, well, there are definitely pockets of bands and labels starting in the mid 80s like on homestead and dutch east india touch and go some of those labels were you know i could see some of them some of those bands being fans of saccharine trust i wouldn't doubt it for a minute well it's it's good they had flag in the minute men <laughs> because uh here's another joe Baez a quote about the 80 he's asked about the scene in the 80s and he says, in the 80s, I didn't feel as if I were a part of the American culture. I just did what I wanted to do and stayed down below in the cracks. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, in the a couple of the interviews I read, he's talking about his later bands and, when, and also when Saccharine Trust reformed. And they definitely got respect from some of those bands that came along later. Like, they got taken out on tour with, like, Sonic Youth, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at this time, like, I can't imagine the shit they got, you know, opening for Flag, for example. Yeah, people would have had a really hard time swallowing Saccharine Trust. I got one more good quote for you from Joe Biza. I love this one. He says, this is, he's asked about, like, they did a huge tour with Flag in 84, the My War Tour. And uh, he says, we had to learn to kick ass or suffer the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that quote. Yeah, I believe it for sure. Yeah. Jack Brewer was he was a pretty, you know, active guy on stage, kind of a poet and uh definitely putting on an act on stage, so it would have been a shock for a lot of people to see a band like this. Yeah. If they were if they were expecting to see some some umpa umpa hardcore. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into the release. It's a good one. Yeah. History Lesson, Part 2. So, Surviving You Always, we mentioned this before, it was recorded in 83 and 84, September 
through January 1st, 1984. So I guess they finished it on New Year's Day at Total Access in Redondo Beach, California, much like many of the releases. Engineered by Spot. This is a great sounding record, too. Yeah. Sounds sounds really good. It does. In addition to Jack Brewer, Joe Baza, Mark Hodson, and Tony Cicero, an alto sax on the song Cat Cracker is a guy named Rick Cox. Cornet is a guy named Russell Conlon. Plays on the song, I don't even know what that word is, W. No, Y-H-W-H on acid. Yeah. Words by Jack Brewer, except House and Concrete System by Jack Brewer, Mark Hodson, and Words on the Cat Cracker were Joe Biza. The back photo by Victor Cedillo, or Cedillo, and I know that name from somewhere. I can't remember from where. I went down a total internet rabbit hole on the front cover. Yeah, that one's got a neat story. Lay it on me. So it's a photo taken by uh, a photography student named Robert Wiles, Wills, of a lady named Evelyn McHale, who committed suicide by jumping from the 86th floor of the observation deck of the Empire, Empire State Building on May 1st, 1947. Ooh. And it's a it's very iconic photograph. It was taken four minutes after her death, and he was obviously, you know... I guess, I hate to put it this way, but right place at the right time. And it's been referred to as the most beautiful suicide. It's been dis widely discussed, this photo. It's uh, Ben Cosgrove of Time Magazine at the time called it technically rich, visually compelling, and downright beautiful. He described her body as appearing as though she was resting or napping rather than dead. And it's been used uh, tons of times in other things. Andy Warhol used a photo, the photo in one of his prints. David Bowie recre recreated it for his Jump They Say video. Taylor Swift used it in her Bad Blood video. It's a very iconic photograph. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, interesting choice, though. I mean, I get, it's right place at the right time, but also a bit morbid, too. I didn't... I You can see the photo on... Uh, well, you can see it anywhere on the internet, but there's a really good Wikipedia page on it. You, her suicide notes on there, which is very sad to read. And, uh, there's a, like the, the actual photograph. I didn't, I don't know if I really looked that closely to the album cover, but I didn't realize she was embedded in a car until I looked at the, the actual photograph. Oh yeah. You can see kind of the. I don't know if it's the side panel or the windshield. Yeah. But she definitely she definitely landed in a pose that is very deceiving. Yeah. On the spine, suggested retail price, $8.98. I bet you won't get it for that much nowadays. So before we get to the ballot result, let's uh, we'll just walk through the songs really quick. Side one starts a bit with a bang with the song The Give or Takes. The next song, Lot Seed, that's the one that sounds kind of Minutemen to me. I, that's the one that I wrote down. There's definitely, if you listen to the guitar playing, I hear Keith Levine. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, then the songs Sunk, Speak, then a big bongo, a, like kind of a bongo riff starts off the song, The House, The System, The Concrete. Then there's Remnants, which is starts off with a big 
Joe buys a rant about Satan. And it ends with uh, the cat cracker, which is the one that has uh, some horns on it. That one kind of is like almost like a drone kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like saxophone a lot in uh, in a lot of music. I like, you know, I like a lot of jazz and especially kind of post bop stuff, um, but not too free. Yeah. But I like I like a lot of sax playing. And so when I heard that again, because I haven't listened to this record for a couple of years, to be honest. And it just reminded me how good it is. When I heard that, I was like, oh, I, I just love that it had the horns in it. It was awesome. Hey, uh, you said something about uh, a religious rant? Yeah. Here's a good point I, re- I read in the Trouser Press about it I, that I didn't really realize until after I read this. But they say uh, the band takes an abrupt religious turn on this album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, he lists like four or five of the songs, and, they, and he says, all contain biblical imagery and religious references. Yeah. Well, Remnants, uh, the beginning of that one, it almost sounds like a preacher um, exercising a demon. Yeah. You know, Side 2 has a song, Our Discovery, which reminds me of Joy Division and you of Rush. And then A Good Night's Bleeding, Craving the Center, YHWH on acid, and then for me, unfortunately, they do the song Peace Frog, which is yeah, which is like a low light for me. Same. I've never been a fan of the Doors. I don't know if if you were ever into them, but uh, I like a lots of classic rock, <laughs> but I've never been a Doors fan. Yeah, got to be honest. Me either. It's funny, like you know, when I think of the bands that SST, you know, there's a period of time where SST bands cover classic rock songs right we've seen that a lot already worm did it minuteman do it uh saccharine trust do, does this song i can de- i can usually get behind some of it and certainly the credence stuff i love credence clearwater revival i always have always will yeah but i've just never been into the doors i never liked them and i've also it's one of those things where it just reminds me of people in high school who thought they were jim morrison <laughs> I could. I just couldn't get into that. Um, anyways, yeah. let's get into the ballot result. Ballot result. So for this one, I want to try something different. Okay. I want you to guess what you think my pick would be. Okay. Is it speak? No. Ah, oh, so close. I thought. I thought. I thought. Since you pre, you know, you could read my mind and mention Pigment Vehicle, you might get close enough to pick the song. For me, I would actually pick the House, the System, the Concrete. Okay, that one didn't make my list. I liked lot. I liked uh, the first song, the Give or Takes. I like Lot Seed, Speak, Our Discovery. Speak was my favorite. Is that right? Yep. Hmm. But I, I like the whole thing. The whole album's good, except for Peace Frog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go on record liking that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've made your stance on that pretty clear. Yeah. Well, let's let's do speak. I want to make you happy. Okay. Well, you made me happy. Hey, I just saw I, I just saw something else in my notes here. You know what I found when I was uh googling Saccharin Trust? Um, a tweet from Mike Watt uh where someone asked him did uh Saccharin Trust get their name from David Bowie's The Bewley Brothers on his Hunky Dory album. Yeah. This is on Twitter. And uh, Jack Brewer says, yes, we did. 
Yeah, no, it's in um, it's in a wailing of a town. Is it? Yeah, no, I read that song. Jack Brewer says, I got the name Saccharin Trust straight from a Bowie line. Saccharin and Trust from the song The Buley Brothers off of the Hunky Dory album. And uh, Joe just said, yeah, we'll take that and change it. Take out the word and and turn saccharin into an adjective and we call it saccharin trust. We said, yeah, that'll do for now until we come up with a good name. It's a good name. It's a great name. Yeah. Well, that's it for saccharin trust surviving you always. Everyone should check that one out. What's next week? Next week is SST number 25. It's a single by Husker Du, the eight miles high masochism world singer. Right on. Looking forward to that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 